0: Welcome again to Exodus. Tonight, we're continuing our series on spiritual gifts. Let's take a look at where we've been. You can see that this series has been going on for quite a while. We've covered everything from kind of understanding what the gifts are and where they come from. We've answered many of your questions. Uh, You remember that a few weeks ago we did a review of all the questions we've actually covered. We've covered everything from what are the gifts, where do they come from in Scripture, um, how do we know that they're there? All these kinds of different things. Many questions that you guys sent into us, okay? Here's a list of just what we've done the last few weeks. You could see that we spent three weeks looking at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Last week, we asked the question Does God still speak? And does he speak through prophets? And really, just to put a context for where we are, is. There's debate in the church, as we've seen over the many weeks, about how active the spiritual gifts still are in the church. Now we're honing it down. Last week was about the speaking gifts, just really wondering, does God still speak? And everybody seemed to agree, I think, of course God still speaks. I think that it would be weird theology to claim that God, after the canon of scripture was completed, never spoke again. So that's not really the issue. It's not does he speak? The question is how does he speak? Does he speak to people? Does he nudge them? You know, I heard a sermon this morning about how the Holy Spirit prompts people, nudges people. That's a safe way to talk to people, you know? Like you feel kind of a little bit of a nudge, you know, as opposed to God just opening up the skies and saying, "Hey you down there, stop doing that." Or "Hey you, here's what I want you, here's what I want you to do." We sometimes tend to put a box around God, and we want him to be safe. For our own consumption. We asked this question last week, is experience a valid test of truth? And what did we mean by that? Just to get you guys all caught up. Undoubtedly, every time we bring up the topic of miracles, healing, speaking, prophecy, many people come forward and say, well, God spoke to me about this. I know somebody who's been healed. I've seen a miracle. And we build our theology around experience. Last week, we analyzed the weaknesses of building our theology just around experience. We also looked at the ways that experience actually helps our theology, and we came to a middle ground, all right? But the debate is really simply put like this. When we talked about speaking, there's a whole group in the church that's very nervous about God speaking, because he might accidentally contradict himself. We thought that that may be a little bit uptight, so we kind of loosened the standard and said, okay, let's say God speaks to people. And we used the example last week, if you remember, of Oral Roberts. Anybody remember that example we spent some time with? How Oral Roberts basically said, The Lord spoke to me and he wants $8 million. Or he's going to take
1: him
0: home. Or he's going to take him, he's going to take him home. So, to summarize last week, because it's going to have an impact on this week, I think we agree that God speaks. I think that he even speaks through people. I personally believe that God can still speak. Directly to people and have them have a message for the church. But this is where we have to be careful. I think it's biblical that we test everything against Scripture. And the people who have a big problem with prophecy in the church today, and we've talked about the reasons why, we've done that over and over, I'm not going to repeat it, but it seems that their biggest problem is an example like Oral Roberts is an example where somebody comes forward says something really goofy and says the Lord told me to tell you this and I think that it's fair for us to say yeah there might be something wrong with that maybe does that make sense is that a fair summary of last week I think God speaks I think he can even speak through people I, I disagree with the people who think that he cannot speak to prophets anymore or that he does not speak to prophets anymore I, I think he probably does I just think there are a lot more people who think they're prophets than there really are I think there's a lot more people who hear from the Lord, quote unquote, hear from the Lord, than who are really hearing from the Lord. And that's why we have to test it. And you're going to see that same thing tonight when we talk about miracles of healing. So we have two questions on the screen right now. Does God still heal? I think we could take care of that one pretty quickly. Is there anybody in this room who thinks that God doesn't heal? Yeah, they are different. So let's take the easy one first. Does God still heal? Yeah. I think that we would have a very small God who couldn't heal. And I'll tell you that as we've been analyzing the two sides of the debate, those people who believe that there are no more healers in the world, that the gifts of healing ceased after the apostles' ministry was over, and then the people, of course, on the charismatic side, both agree that God can still heal. All right? So that's good. So that's an easy one. Philip?
2: We don't think God can still heal question is, does God still heal? Okay. It's harder to be able to identify very clearly, at least biblically, after canon, okay, God still heals actively. Everything there is just sort of experience-based.
0: It is. And I don't think we could toss out experience completely, right? I mean, has anyone in this room, good question to ask, experienced healing? Let me rephrase it. Has anyone in this room experienced supernatural healing? Tiffany, you have? Like God has healed you of something. Yes. Okay. Angela?
3: Not personally, but my dad he had a hepatitis B. A doc, three different doctors said you're gonna die in a month. And uh, my pastor decided he's gonna have a fast and the whole church gonna fast and called my dad and prayed over the phone mm-hmm. and my dad I don't know what happened, he says a burst of faith, something he got up, he took a shower fever left. and I was there. I was like in the room
0: present. So that's wiki. Okay. So from your experience, your dad was healed.
3: Yes. And then he went back to the doctor and they're like, oops, we made a mistake. There's no hepatitis. (laughs) Even though they said it was there.
0: Okay. See, I've been playing a little bit coy and maybe I should stop doing that. Last week when we were talking about does God still speak and does he speak to people, I was kind of playing devil's advocate on both sides. But I, I have to tell you that one of the most troubling things for me, even as we analyze the issue of experience and not letting experience guide our theology, is that in my experience, I've heard God speak. Maybe only twice, but I've, I've known that to be the Lord. So it would trouble me if somebody said, God doesn't speak. And the same thing is true about healing. Like I know that in my own life, I experienced supernatural healing when I was very young and it's always been a mark of my knowledge of the Lord, is that I was going deaf when I was five. And not only were my ears healed, but my ears are probably the best sense I have to this day. That's, to me, an experience. Now, I have to test that against Scripture and against the theology that we build based on the Word, not create my own theology out of that experience. But I think we all agree that God still heals does he do it in every situation no that's a much bigger topic okay and we're going to be talking about that a little bit tonight but we are not just so we limit discussion because this discussion going on all night we are not going to be discussing about why God doesn't heal people in certain circumstances we're going to be covering that in our series that's coming up on the will of God that's a different series but I think we all agree that God can heal he does heal It's just that I think some of us would say, yeah, but he doesn't heal all the time. I think we would all agree with that. So the bigger question then is, does he heal through healers? Is there a spiritual gift of healing? We know there is, by the way. There is a spiritual gift of healing. It's in the Bible. The question that comes up in the debate on spiritual gifts is, is it still active today? Does it still go on? If you ask Benny Hinn, he would say, yes, it still goes on. You just saw a little bit of that in that video, okay? Why are people uptight about healers as opposed to just God healing? Anyone seen a healer live? I think you said you had, Angela?
3: I saw him twice.
0: Okay, and what did you think of the experience?
3: I had mixed emotions. I, I definitely could sense, personal experience, I could experience a sense of God's presence, but I didn't know if everything was a contact. People have said there's actors, and they make this big thing about it. But I felt God's presence there. Nobody that came with me was healed.
0: So. Was anybody that went with you looking to be healed? Yeah. Okay. You remember last week we were talking about speaking, and the reason people get uptight about speaking, prophecy in particular, is that if God prophesies to people, then it, you know, we have to believe that that might be authentic communication from the Lord. What's the hang-up that people have with healing? Does anyone know? Anyone take a guess? Like, I think
1: the problem is people would put their faith in the person, not in God, like not in Christ. If if someone walked around healing people, they would go, "Oh, heal me, heal me." And if you don't give the credit to God, that's a very shady like area of getting the glory that God deserves.
0: Okay, it's kind of a weird question, but
1: I think it scares some people. The, the, the People have like the power to do something like that. Like, they, you know they like can see it and they're shocked by it. You know, like people who are like don't believe or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I think it scares people in the church, by the way, too, not just people outside. Let's go back to Jesus for a moment. Let's start with Jesus. I think all of us agree Jesus healed. Okay, so let's walk through the progression. Jesus healed. But notice I put up some things on the, on the screen about how Jesus healed. Because I think there are important measures for us to understand the difference between Jesus and us. And by the way... I know that a lot of times I say we need to be very careful because Jesus is not a good example all the time for us because he's the son of God. I mean, he's, he's God. I mean, we're not going to do everything Jesus did. But the healer people and the people who believe in healing say this. They say the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. They claim that promise. And that's why they believe healing still <coughs> continues to this day. So that's why I want to look at Jesus as an example, because if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, which is what they always start off with, you'll always hear him say, why do you believe that healing can happen? They'll go, the Lord never changes. The Bible says the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, so that means he's still doing the same things, which I'm not sure that's what that verse really is about. But look at what Jesus did do. See, when Jesus healed, he usually did it with a word or a touch, and it was not very hard. <laughs> you saw in the video the kind of that idea of people being slayed in the spirit where they're, they're flipping over, they're convulsing up and down on the stage, they're falling down. I mean, we don't have any example of that. In fact, Jesus sometimes, in the example of the Roman centurion who came forward, he didn't even have to see the person, remember? The person said, Lord, just say the word and I know that my servant will be healed. And he said, your faith has made him well. He didn't even do anything beyond that. Jesus healed instantly. There wasn't any like recuperation time. There wasn't any kind of like winding down to gentle healing. It was just instant. It was also complete. He healed totally. He healed everyone. Every kind of infirmity. Not just certain types of infirmities, but every type. There wasn't anybody that couldn't be healed. In fact, he healed infirmities that were hard to heal, like blindness leprosy and of course the hardest one of all death <coughs> you know that one's a hard one for most people to heal and yet he was able to somehow pull that one off jesus healed organic disease what is that that's not just like some sort of psychosomatic disease it's a like you don't have a leg you're missing an organ there's something wrong with you leprosy was a disease of the skin that you just it isn't like something you could think your way out of or psych your way out of if you were crippled and couldn't walk you couldn't psych yourself into walking for a short amount of time, especially if you didn't have like legs to stand on or something. Okay? He was able to heal us. Same thing with like blindness or deafness. And of course, the last one, like I said, Jesus raised the dead. All right. He went to uh, an extreme. Let's use that as an example to start about Jesus. Let's move to the apostles. The apostles did the same thing. Every one of those, the apostles were given the power to do. We have recorded instances of them doing all of those things. Why do you think the apostles had the power to do the same things that Jesus did? What's the purpose behind the apostles having these abilities? Is it just the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you, everyone has these abilities? We know the answer to that is no, because we just spent the whole three weeks covering 1 Corinthians and how people have different giftings. But why did the apostles have these gifts? What's the purpose? Well, to show that they were Jesus' followers, because they had the same gift as of uh, healing as him. Yeah, but what's the, the why give them the same God. gifts? Yeah.
2: Like they're effective. People say like that's part of the reason why a lot of people follow Jesus, because he would heal them. And if they see the apostles healing people, I'd be to be more effective in spreading the gospel because they're like, hey, these people have actually something valid. It's not just people talking. And show the power of the Lord. Okay. They had a mission, I would call it, was to
3: spread the gospel. And so they had to have the gifts to preach the word to all of Judea. wouldn't have the word if they didn't have the gifts.
0: Yeah, tell me how that works. You say, we wouldn't have the word if they didn't have the gifts. So let's say that Peter couldn't have raised the woman from the dead or he didn't heal the blind person or whatever happened. You're saying that the gospel wouldn't have spread? Why?
3: how they ministered by loving the people and, and healing them <laughs> and that's how jesus ministered he came and spoke the word and he healed them. it was it was powerful it wasn't
0: uh yeah you know, why right? don't we but if that's the true if that's the case if it's the case that that's how you minister and love people why don't we have those gifts today or do we i mean why are there people healing today to love and be missional in the church the same way are we just kind of a lame and effective church?
3: Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. but but people are though in other parts of the world. What the other parts of the world they don't it like just that right? He would say that he saw more activity, uh, spiritual activity outside of the U.S. than in the U.S. Okay. So we have a narrow world
1: view as this. I think our faith is. I don't think it's as strong as the disciples' faith was. Like, I I just don't know. I I feel like if you actually see Jesus and you see him and you go, I think you'd have more faith. But these
0: are gifts. The Holy Spirit gave these gifts to the apostles. Yeah.
1: Being at least one goal of God to spread Christianity, um,
2: it's a lot harder to spread it in the beginning than it is when there's already a lot of believers. And so you need to, like, invest a lot of money to start a business. You need to bring out the big guns to begin with, so it's a lot more effective. But now, you know, like... everywhere they're scattered randomly you know like you don't necessarily need it like there's an issue which they needed that to be effective because you have one random person that walks into a town and you say hey here's this message this random guy and you have nothing to back it up with like once that was reinforced a couple times in lots of different places it became easier for people to be able to like to see the truth of the gospel without necessarily
0: okay let's weave all these together for a moment let's go back to jesus for a second what was Jesus doing whenever he was healing or ministering to people? What was this, why was he doing it? I mean, it might have something to do with faith in a couple of instances, but one of the most dramatic points that we have Jesus healing in the Bible. It's usually to make a point. It's usually to authenticate his ministry and his identity, and most importantly, this word, his authority. When he was challenged and Somebody would say, On what authority do you forgive sins? He would say, What's easier, for me to forgive sins or to tell this man to walk? He was being challenged many times and he was self authenticating his own authority by these signs and wonders, these miracles that he was performing. You know, if you think about it, if Jesus only wanted to perform miracles just to heal everybody, he could have done it like the Benny Hinn style. Just get 55,000 people in a stadium and go, whoosh, you know? He didn't do that. He didn't do it the most efficient way, the way Benny Hinn thinks it needs to be done. He did it on a case-by-case basis, selectively, to make a point. Even the Roman centurion, who said, Just say the word and he will be healed. As soon as he was healed, Jesus turned around and made a point. What was the point that he made? He said, I have not seen this much faith in Israel, let alone among a Roman. He used those in a way. The apostles did the same thing. Like you said, maybe the Holy Spirit had to invest a lot of oomph at the beginning of the ministry somehow. Maybe that's a good theory. But whatever it was, it was so that they could be authoritative in their ministry. Paul even writes several times defending his apostleship, saying, didn't you see or you did see the wonders that were done in your presence? It was clear that these things were done almost to kick things off in a way to show that this isn't just another movement. It's not just another religion. It's not just another good idea or a good philosophy you should follow. The power of God is in the people who are moving this thing everyone agrees on those theories by the way here's where we part ways in the church there's the group that says and once christianity got going and the canon was complete and we had the word of god there was no longer a need for any of this and then you have the other camp that says oh no this stuff still goes on to this day except like i said from the first couple of weeks they have a little bit of explaining to do because for about 1800 years it kind of diminished dramatically until the beginning of the 20th century when Charismatics and Pentecostals say the Holy Spirit came back in a fresh way to reinvigorate the church with these gifts all over again. So we leave it there, at least on that point. Ben. Um,
1: I agree with you on that, but I think I would argue that you didn't always heal the thing Reading that uh, John 5, and the Jews asked like, "Who is this who in?" answer Jesus. Away?
0: I think that's a good point because it's true that there were times when he just went to heal. And there's actually evidence, I believe, in the book of Mark, in either chapter two or three, right at the beginning of his ministry, when he's in Capernaum, he just spent some time doing nothing but healing. And again, I think that we have to be careful using him as the example, because he may have just had compassion on people who wanted to heal them while he was there. But you have to also look and see, there are a lot of instances of people that he just didn't heal. I mean, there were lots of people there that he could have just healed the whole nation all at once. That wasn't his goal, it seems like. He was bringing something that's much more important. I mean, people say it this way. Even Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, eventually died again. You know? And his point was to do something. He wasn't trying to bring back Lazarus forever. He was trying to show his power before entering Jerusalem, I think. We remember the words of Jesus in the parables saying, you know, be careful of signs and wonders. You know, he's always saying that. And he always reminds us even in the parable, like, even if a man would rise from the dead, they're not going to believe in you. Kind of pointing back to himself.
2: Does that mean like that you would say, at least for a portion of the time, that the gift should be used to heal someone? Its purpose should be used to prove a point.
0: Yeah, let me rephrase it. I'm going to say it this way. Everyone agrees the apostles had the power to do these things. We also have evidence that some non-apostles living in the apostolic age in the first century also had some unique power. Here's where we diverge. And I don't mean we, I am mean just saying the church as a whole. They look at today, fast forward to the 21st century, and when they ask the same question, we know it happened in the first century, does it happen in the 21st century? The charismatics will say, and remember, the charismatics, I believe, have a better reading of scripture. I've said that in my opinion. They seem to have a better reading of scripture on the cessation of gifts, that they probably have a better reading. But they say healing still goes on. The cessation say, why? Why do you believe? I'm not, we're not saying God doesn't heal. We're saying, why do you believe that healers still exist and have a spiritual gift of healing? There's nothing to prove anymore. Charismatics will say, it's not just for proving things. God just likes us to heal and have a ministry of healing. Then the cessationist jumps in and says, if that's the case, then show me a healer. And this is where we come to tonight about Benny Hinn, for example, why we showed that video. Because a lot of people look critically at him and say, and I'm not just talking about him. Last week we picked on Oral Roberts. This week we'll pick on Benny Hinn. But, But just to go back to Oral Roberts, just to like, you know, punch him one more time, you know, while we're doing this. Oral Roberts has a quote that's been floating around that, and I'll read you the quote because I don't want to misquote it. It's really not very long, but here's the quote. He said, I can't tell you about all the dead people I've raised. I've had to stop a sermon, go, and raise a dead person. When challenged, no, this is Oral Roberts, when challenged to produce evidence that he's of anybody who's died, that he's raised from the dead, there's a lot of words and nobody's ever been provided. So you see the conundrum that puts some of those people that I refer to as the uptight guys. They want everything neat and tidy, and we kind of criticize them for that. But on this thing, they may have a point. They look and they say, we believe the healing stopped with the apostles because the authority of the church has been established. There was no longer a need to do it. You guys think that healers are still going around? Find me a couple. So the Pentecostal movement, the charismatic movement, will put up people like Oral Roberts or they'll put up somebody like Benny Hinn and go, look at all the wonderful things that are happening. You look deeper into somebody like the statement I just read. It's hard to establish that. any. I mean, just just the statement itself sounds kind of funny. I can't tell you all the dead people I've raised. I mean, that's just, you couldn't tell us about one. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a true statement. I can't tell you. <laughs> you know, I guess that part of it is true. I can't tell you of all the dead people. <laughs> that would be one of those statements that's, you know, like a politician would make a statement like that you know i can't tell you how many dead people i've raised could be zero you know but benny Hinn is the same example i'm not going to show it tonight but i actually went researching on a bunch of stuff there's a great video about benny Hinn. it was done by one of the dateline type people or whatever it was and of course they're going to expose all the financial abuse that he has in his ministry and all the excesses he lives and we've heard about that the cars the planes the houses all that stuff all the, the, the stuff, the jewelry, the $5,000 suits, the $10,000 hotel rooms. Okay, whatever. The question that we care about, I like, he wouldn't be the first pastor in the church to totally abuse his position. The real question is, does he heal? What was interesting to me is in this special, there's a young evangelical, I think, student. He's a preacher. He finished his master's in divinity, and he wrote his thesis on Benny Hinn. What makes this guy really interesting to me is this guy, and I, I wish I could remember his name, I'm sorry. He has cerebral palsy. He cannot walk without the aid of crutches. So to him this is a very personal matter about does God heal? And more specifically, does Benny Hinn heal? In the special he goes to the Benny Hinn big like crusade that's going on in Toronto, I think it is. On, somewhere in Canada. And as he wrote in his thesis... He says, I want you to notice that you'll never see a single person at a Benny Hinn conference go up on the stage who has any kind of organic deformity or like they're missing a limb. They're in a wheelchair. They don't have a hand. They don't have an arm. You know, their eyes don't work because they don't have the actual physical parts of the eye that needs to see. You'll never see that. What you'll see is people who have diabetes or people who have like some sort of cancer that nobody can predict. And they're healed on the stage and they suddenly say they feel better or whatever it is, but you never follow up with them. Nobody knows once the thing is over. I mean, they do a lot of strange things on stage. This person believes after studying it that it's a form of hypnotic mesmerism that goes on, that the suggestive nature of the music playing and his voice and the whatever it is, the hype that's going on and just the electricity in that place causes those people to fall back like they do or do whatever it is that they do. But that's not important. What's important is are they healed or not? I don't care about the money. I don't care about if they're bouncing up and down on the stage. I wanna know if that person said they had this severe form of diabetes and they left saying they were healed and crying, are they healed? Out of the few people that would talk to the special afterwards, one of them died, one of them still had the illness, The other two were still in the same kind of position they were in before. They couldn't confirm a single one of those people, even in a non-organic way, had been healed. So that's why the question lingers over us. I'm not here to discredit Benny Hinn. The bigger question that we have as Christians is, does the spiritual gift of healing still operate? And if it does, why are the only examples, well, at least the ones that are offered up many times, these now, I'm telling you, I believe God heals because he's healed me. But the question is, do people have that power? And I'm not going to go through every example I can think of. I'm just saying, maybe like with prophecy, these just happen to be the people that shouldn't be saying they have the gift. Maybe the gift is really active in a real way somewhere.
1: Cessationists, they said, show me someone that they healed. Did the charismatic show them anybody?
0: Well... Look, it's not like there's one cessationist side. So what happens a lot of times is when the cessationists write their books, and this is a little bit unfair that they do, they say, well, if somebody's healed, show us somebody, and then they start putting up examples. They do what's called like a straw man debate. Mm -hmm. They put up examples that they know they can knock down. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, like, for example, look at Benny Hinn. He says that there isn't a single person, and by the way, this is true that he said this, there isn't a single person that, that that I've said has been healed that hasn't been healed. And then all they have to do is find one person mm-hmm. that hasn't been healed. and they go, well, then he's not telling the truth, okay? Mm-hmm. So I can't tell you if the charismatics go, I don't care. Benny Hinn might be a fraud. Oral Roberts may have never raised anybody from the dead. I don't care about any of those people. All I'm telling you is in my church, there's a woman who, when she prays for you, you will be healed.
1: Is there any example that you know of?
0: I've read a book by a guy who has the gift of healing. Uh-huh. And he says that these things do happen. Now I'll give you an example of the one that he gave. He was in Africa in a very large conference of people. He was preaching the word. A word came to him, he says from the Holy Spirit, that there is a woman here who's in a coma, which he says made no sense to him because they're at a rally. Why would there be somebody in a coma? And he said, I hear the Lord telling me that there's somebody here who's in a coma. I want to know who that person is. And this husband like, had brought his wife because she was in a coma and he didn't know what else to do. And he started bringing her forward. And as soon as he did, she woke up from the coma. Mm-hmm. And she didn't know where she was. because it was she, only that
1: one person. There wasn't anybody else. Right.
0: See, well, I mean, how many people that, well, would you expect no, no, to be in a coma? Saying, I'm not
1: saying. Okay, I'm just saying that he only healed the girl in coma. He didn't start healing anybody. No, else, no he
0: has himself. a healing ministry. He goes on to describe like other people that he has healed. You know,
1: but God's given him saying, "Hey, you need to heal these
0: people." That's we true. have to differentiate that because Benny Hinn, <laughs> he does have a ministry of like, show up, right? I'm gonna. All these people are falling all over the place. I wouldn't call this a case by case type of healing. You know, he's there's healing is going to be unleashed, and that's one of the things that even charismatics have a problem with is Benny's ministry has become one where he believes the Lord has given to him the power to heal mm-hmm. and he gets to unleash it as he sees fit which is not unbiblical that the, the spiritual gifts can be used by the people there is a difference between God saying I'm gonna heal that person over there mm-hmm. and you have the gift of healing those are two different things mm-hmm. and the, and we have evidence that the gift of healing mm-hmm is one of those things where you can use it biblical example the blind man at the gate as i think peter and john are walking to the temple Mm -hmm. and he says i want money and they say money we don't have however they heal him like at will they just decide like this is something to show the authority that we have or to send a stir into the crowd whatever they're doing but that's different than god there's nothing in that story that indicates that god said hey I feel bad that you guys didn't have any money to give them. So why don't you just go over there and heal them? They on their own decide like we're going to heal this, this guy. This, this is yeah. Peter and John, in the book of acts okay. throughout the book of acts, the people who had the power to do these things like Peter came home. I believe it was the woman's name was Dorcas. She was dead and they were mourning for her. And he came to the house and he raised her from the dead and told her to go make some soup. Or whatever it was. I mean, that and she served them. I mean, and the and the story is very specific in its detail that she served them to show again that this isn't like one of those like she was ill or she had, they thought she had passed. She was dead, and she got up instantly and began to serve them. The reason we know that spiritual gifts can be used without the Lord telling you to use them is because the entire Book of Corinthians is talking to a group of people who were misusing them, and that's the point that we spent three weeks on is that. If you can misuse the gifts, that means that you have the gifts. In tongues, some people say, well, they're probably just babbling gibberish. Maybe not. Maybe they were just misusing the gift of tongues. Maybe they were using the gift of healing in the wrong way. They were healing too many people without any point. Just to show off. We don't know everything they were doing. But the fact that you can misuse the gifts, and he spends so much time correcting their misuse of the gifts is an example that gives us some confidence that when the spiritual gifts are given, this is different than what we typically think of, like God told me to do something, or in faith I prayed for something. That's one category of our relationship with the Lord that's available to everyone. But the Spirit gives gifts to people, at least according to 1 Corinthians, according to his desire so that we can further the work of the body. He may give the gift of worship to you, and you may further the work of the body. He may give somebody else the gift of mercy and service. Okay, And it may just further edify the body. Okay, And they could misuse some of those gifts, and they could also use them for the spirit. That's the whole idea of it being a gift as opposed to something like, I'm just following what the Lord told me to do and obey him. That's you got to do that all the time.
1: I haven't seen any evidence of just someone going... Every single person that I pray for is healed because I'm a healer. But
0: see, now you're going back to experience again. You're saying, I haven't seen any evidence. What I'm saying is, evidence or not, I think the Bible should be our guide. I haven't seen any evidence of any real healers in my life either. In fact, to be honest with you, I haven't seen any evidence of many of the spiritual gifts. But that's not the basis. I'd like to do what some of the cessationists challenge us to do, which is to find evidence. That's interesting to me but it's not definitive to me. It, I'm curious, but I'm not going to base my theology on whether I find out that somebody's healing or not. Because we have to still test the spirits. And I'm not even sure what spirit they've tapped into sometimes. All I'm saying is, let's go back to biblically, what does it say? The spirit gives these abilities to people. Now, I said we're going to come back to question the issue of abilities later. But just, so just keep a little asterisk next to that. But that's what we've studied so far. Amen. I was reading
1: the book, previously said so a lot of times when they would go out to do ministry, before they would heal somebody, they would pray and ask God, how should we pray for this person? And sometimes God would say, I want you to pray for healing," And sometimes, we give them the word that I want you to pray for their salvation. And I think from reading the book, like I think this lady could have healed everyone she prayed for. Um, but I think she was using her gift, how the Holy Spirit wanted her to, and in tune with about what spirit wanted to heal the person or not. So I wonder if the people who have the gift of healing are pretty well trained in how to
0: use it. And you know, that's why we don't see very many people opening. Okay, I think that's a good point, and it'll bring us to kind of put a little bit of a boundary around our discussion. Last week we said God still speaks. We probably rejected a little bit the idea that He could never speak to a person and tell them He had a message for the church. But we also thought maybe some of the extreme examples are goofy. I think we could do the same analysis with healing. We could say, of course God still heals. There may be healers still active in spiritual gifts. But maybe the people we're looking at today in the extreme examples aren't really healers. I mean, I don't know if Oral Roberts has ever healed anybody of something, but to make a statement like, I can't tell you the number of people I've raised from the dead and not be able to produce any evidence of any of them. To have Benny Hinn make the statement that every single person I've touched that I've said is healed is completely healed and to find people who've actually died or still have their disease. There's a lot of inconsistency. So it's easy for us to go, ah, you see, that means that there are no healers in the world. No, maybe it just means that those people are not healers. Maybe the big time media hog, let me stand in front of the camera type people, we shouldn't trust those people by their nature. There's something wrong because that wouldn't be Christ's way anyway. He would never be that way. That was one of the temptations, remember? The devil said, like, throw yourself down, have the angels like pick you up. Like, show yourself to be supernatural. He's like, that's not the way it works. That was a temptation. He resisted that. Seems like we got a bunch of people who can't wait to get in front of the camera and be that person. So maybe we'd all agree those people aren't really the people that have the gift. But that doesn't mean that there aren't people among us that do. The greater question though is not to go on experience, it's to look at the Bible. You need to ask yourself do I believe that healing, like the other miraculous gifts, was intended to establish the authority of the church? And once the church was established, there's no longer a need for it. You gotta think, am I in that camp? Because if you are, you're a cessationist, which is okay. Or do you believe that, hey, I think the gifts are still active? All of them, including healing, including prophecy including the miracle signs and wonders. They're still active. And if you're a middle of the rotor in the charismatic camp, you'd say, but not those guys. Those guys don't represent us well. Those guys are all bling and glitz and glamour, and that's not what we're about. Sounds like, Ben, after you read that book, that maybe that person, like, you're convinced there might be people like that who have that gift. And i got to tell you, when I read some of the same things, I go, wow, I mean, these people aren't names that I would recognize that are, like, trying to be up front maybe they just actually have this gift. And I think we've got to leave it kind of in that place right now. Next week, we're going to hit one more topic like this before we move on to those other gifts. And that is, do we believe that miracles still happen in our day? Because there are people who believe, no, they don't. There are people who believe that they do. And more importantly, because again, it's going to be one of those questions. Do you guys believe there's miracles? They'll be like, yes. The real question is, what qualifies as a miracle? What qualifies as a miracle? If you're just praying like crazy for a parking spot and one opens up, is that a miracle? I mean, is that really? We're going to talk about this next week, so I don't want to go into it now. I just want you to start thinking about it. Is that really a miracle? So that's next week. Come back next week because we're going to actually hit that issue. Because a lot of people walk around and tell us things like, well, this is a miracle, that's a miracle. And you know what? I think we need to understand the differences between God's providence, what a miracle is, and just kind of think about that issue because, again, in the subject of spiritual gifts, there are people who believe that we still have active miraculous signs and wonders. Great. I know you can see the debate is becoming less important. What's more important is our understanding of what is a miracle and why doesn't God do certain things sometimes because that's going to lead us right into our God's will series on understanding and discerning the will of God and how the will of God works. Okay. All right. Let's pray and pray. Uh, And leave miracles for next week. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have given us gifts. That it's pleasing to you to work through people in the body of Christ. That a God who is completely sufficient, who didn't even need to create us, somehow still enjoys working through us to reach all the people in the world. And Holy Spirit, you know more than anyone that we do not deserve to be used. That we're selfish, that we are sinful, that we're broken, that left to our own devices we would do anything but the will of God. And yet you still see that as a good thing that's pleasing to you to use us, and you gift us accordingly. Lord, open our minds tonight. We may never know the answers to some of these questions until we're face-to-face with you, Lord, in heaven. But I thank you that we have the time here on earth, even the luxury, to sit around and study and learn more about you. Because just that by itself is worth more than anything we could gain in this life. It's just more knowledge of who you are, Lord. Honor our discussion, as silly as it may be. You may have all the answers and you may be laughing at us right now as we try to figure them out. But Lord, we just thank you that we have that luxury to sit around and learn more about you. Be in our thoughts as we think about miracles, Lord, and we think about their place in this world and ministry and what you still do in this world. Pray these things in your name. Amen.